Well, it's good to see everyone here, and as Taylor and Cody mentioned, it's great to just be able to do this together as one. I don't know how long we'll be able to do this, because for those of you who are parents, it's way harder on you, <laughs> and so we appreciate you, uh, you know, just doing your best and keeping your kids as occupied as you can. That's a huge challenge. I've got three. One's over there. One's back there. There's one over here. So... We have tried to make it a little easier for you um, parents. We did pass out these little packets. If your kid doesn't have one, there are um, additional ones in the back. Eric is in the back. Eric, just wave your hand. If you, if you need one for your child, um, you can, uh, parents, you can pick one up from Eric. He'd be happy to give you any others. And if at any point your, your kids just get super restless, food. Food. Take them to the sweet table. So, well, we, we wanted to talk briefly this morning about this whole idea of a journey. And Cody's song, he just sang right there. It's a familiar song. Probably you've heard that before. It's not a Christian song, worship song, although there is kind of spiritual roots as far as the um, songwriters are concerned. But um, in the song, you know, he kind of changed the lyrics at the end because it, it concludes with talking about Christ on the cross, and then the end of the song actually says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The guy's still journeying. He's still searching. Cody changed that up a little bit. And, um, but the truth of the matter is that people are still searching. A lot of people are looking for things. They look for relationships. They look for hope in money, in resources, in family, in faith. And a lot of people go through a variety of different things, and through the years, they still arrive at that point where they're like, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I'm not exactly sure. I've tried church. I've tried God. I've tried Christ. I've tried Christmas, holidays, things to cheer me up. And I'm still, still on the run. I feel like I'm still searching. Now, this is truly a season of joy. It's a season of giving. But it's also for many, many people, this season, Christmas time, is a season of searching. It's a season of investigating. It's a season of journeying. And so what we wanted to do this morning was First, I want to start off this message by um, having someone come up here and share really briefly about her own journey in finding God. And so I'm inviting Jeanette to come up now. And Jeanette has been a part of our church for a little over a year now. It's been a little over a year. She's married. She has a four-year-old son. And this is Jeanette. I've asked her to come up and share with you a little about the process of her becoming a Christian, making Christ the boss of her life. I think it's really important. I know there's people in our congregation that come and attend regularly that are still in that search. They really have not yet decided to follow Christ. Many of you might be at that point where you're just trying to figure out, you know, where you're going to land. And so, uh, about a year ago, some things began to change in Jeanette's life. And so, um, I want to introduce you to Jeanette. Some of you may have seen her around. Jeanette, tell us a little about where, well, where are you from first? Well, um, hi. Um, I'm normally, I, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and um, my husband and I moved here to the, um, to the States uh, six years ago because of his job in the Navy. And Jeanette, what's your first language? Spanish. So we could do this in Spanish, but for your sake, well, and for mine, because I can't speak Spanish as well, but she, um, she's just been uh, gracious enough and courageous enough to come and share a little bit about her journey with you, but ask her first to come and share. What is your? Um, tell us a little about your family's religious background. 
Well, um, my dad was actually, um, he was raised Christian. My mom, she was raised Catholic. But as adults, they weren't, they didn't really openly practice their religion. So um, my grandma, my dad's mom, she was the one who kind of like introduced me to the, um, the church life when I was a little kid, um, early childhood. So, okay. Yeah. So you had a little bit of church attendance. Yeah. It was more like um, family member encouraging you yeah, to go? Yeah, my grandma. She okay. encouraged me um, to attend church on Sundays when I was a little girl. And did you grow up believing that God existed and that he wanted to know, for you to know him? Well, even though um, I was raised in the church, and in a church life, I really didn't. Um, so, no, I, no. Was, I, I wasn't really a believer until a year ago. And what circumstances in your life? What was it going on in your life that God used to draw you into a relationship with Him? Well, um, after the, the, the birth of my son, Ian, um, I just kind of started like looking through um, my life and saw all the blessings and everything that was so good in my life. You know, my husband and my family, everybody around me seemed like a blessing at that time. And I just felt literally blessed for the first time ever. Um, and it felt to me that it didn't really have to do anything with me, with what I've done with my life. It was something like it felt bigger than myself, that something bigger than myself was in control. So I kind of started thinking and searching about what could have, that could have been. So at that point, you started putting together all these pieces and right. concluding right. There, there may be a God who exists. Exactly, exactly. And then you were telling me a little about the fact that you went on a trip to Puerto Rico and yeah. someone shared Jesus with you. Well, yeah, after starting to think about, you know, what could that be, um, I went to a trip to visit my family last year in Puerto Rico. Um, and my neighbor, my dad's neighbor, um, we started having this conversation about God and the Bible. And for the first time ever, that's when my heart and my ears finally connected um, and received the message of the Lord. Because even though before um, other family members and friends try to um, help me and talk me, um, you know, to teach me the word, the, the word of God. I never really connected one one thing with when the other. When you were growing up, you said right, okay. right, like all through my life, basically. But then, just that moment in particular, I just for some reason my heart opened and was able to um, receive Him. All right. And she invited you. You were telling me she invited you to a church and there in Puerto Rico, and you yeah. went and you felt like God was really tugging on your heart. Yeah. The next day after we had that. Um, long conversation. Um, she invited me, and that's the day I um, ended up accepting the Lord as the boss of my life. Great. And and then you mentioned that to me that she told you to pray. She said, "I want you to go home and you're yeah. heading back to the states." She told me, "Well, it doesn't end here. Um, you just accept. That's just the first step. Um, accepting him as the boss of your life, but you have to actually." Um, go and find a church, a church family that you can grow with and connect with and um, make sure that you grow as a Christian. So I did. I pray about it. And after I just I came back from my trip, um, we, I went with my son to the library to return some books that were due. Um, and I happened, well, Ian actually saw the sign for the Toy Story movie night that OCC had um, like a year ago. So I'm like, sure, why not? Let's go. I had no idea it was related to a church or anything like that. I just, I remember coming here with... We try to make it clear, but apparently it wasn't that clear. So. Yeah. yeah, well, he saw Toy Story. It was Toy Story. So, um, so I'm like, sure, that sounds like fun. But 
we didn't stay through the whole um, movie day because night because it was very cold. But I do remember seeing Bruce and Bruce talking about the church and inviting people, the community over to see what the church was all about. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm gonna go. So the next day after, I um, even though it was kind of hard for me because I didn't know anybody, I came with Ian. I'm like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so awesome. it was just um, my my prayer was answered like right away. That's cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing about the difference Christ has made in you, and it's been fun for those of us who know you to see the journey of your of your life and just seeing what God has done. So, it takes a lot of courage to come up here. Let's give her a hand. Thanks, Jeanette. I wanted you to hear a story because, like that song was singing, people are searching for meaning and purpose. And last week, if you were here, we talked about the Star of Bethlehem. That star. We saw it in the in this little story that Darren shared, and we saw it in the video. It's this star that led these Eastern magicians. Really, they were astrologers. They were astrologers, people who studied the stars. They saw this bright star in the sky, and it leads them through the desert to Jerusalem. And, and they go to Jerusalem, and they present their gifts as an act of worship to this newborn baby king, Jesus. You read about it in Matthew 2, 1-2. If you want, you can pull this little listening guide out, and I'm going to walk through this really quickly. It says this in Matthew 2, verse 1, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, during the time of King Herod, Magi, those are the the astrologers, some people call them the wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and said, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. These are men that had come to Palestine with one specific purpose. To worship. That's the whole reason they journeyed and trekked through the, dre- the desert with gifts. They, they came to worship. The word worship is full of meaning. It kind of carries the idea of falling down before someone and honoring them. It, even, it carries the idea even of falling down and kissing the feet or the, the hem of the garment of the person who's being honored. And so that's what they were intending to do. They were coming down to bow and worship before this king. God gave them a sign in the heavens, a star. They saw the sign, and it's interesting, it just says they saw the star and they responded. They had a certain amount of guidance. They had a little bit of guidance, a limited spiritual light. They recognized it and they responded to God's light. They actually were genuinely seeking hearts. These people were seeking guidance. Here's something you find out in Scripture. When people genuinely seek God... Here's what happens. This is a promise. Look at in your listening guide. It says, God's promise is this. You will seek me. This is out of Jeremiah 29. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This verse is a part of a, of a larger promise that God gave to His people who had really wandered off. They'd wandered off. They'd violated some things that God said not to violate. And because of that, they were taken captive and sent off to a foreign land. And while they're in this foreign land, God gives them this promise. He says, at one point He has a plan for them. He's going to restore a plan. But He gives them this promise about seeking Him. You will seek Me and you will find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. The condition for finding God is we have to seek Him with our whole heart. That's the condition He gives. There is a promise. We can actually find and connect with God. But the condition, again, is we have to seek Him with everything. We have to seek Him totally. These, these wise men or the magi, they were genuinely seeking God. These were people who, 
who sought after God. Here's the problem, though. Look at this verse in here. The problem is this. God says, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. The problem is, in the New Testament, we find these verses in Romans. It seems to contradict this other statement that we just read. It says, there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul's actually quoting something from the Old Testament, old portion of the Bible, Psalm chapter 14. So what is it? It seems to contradict itself. One verse says, no one seeks God. Like this verse in Romans says, no one seeks after God. Another verse says that we can connect with God if we'll seek Him with our whole heart. So, here's the big question. What, what is it? It also sounds like Jeanette was someone, in her story, she hit a point where she started seeking after God. She hit a point. Sounds like the wise men hit a point where they started seeking to find the light. Where is this light leading? Scripture is clear, though. Apart from God's intervention in our lives, we're off on our own. That's what this Romans passage is talking about. Apart from God actually drawing us to know Him, beginning to work things in a way in our lives to where we become aware of His existence, we're just off charting our own course, writing our own future and destiny, doing life independent from God our entire lives. This is what we naturally do. This is the natural state of man. We're not seekers of God. In fact, we're charging hard in the opposite direction, naturally. But then God, in different ways in all of our lives, He'll intervene to begin to draw us to know Him, just like He did with these wise men who followed this star. In His kindness and in His mercy, you see this in your outline, in His kindness and mercy, God has revealed Himself to us. Three quick ways. First, He's revealed Himself through creation. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It's, I don't think it's up here on the slide, but it basically says, since God created the world, His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been made clear or made known to us. We make sense of the fact that there's a God who exists just by looking up at the skies, seeing the things, the beauty of God's creation. We, we can't help but say something, someone is behind all this. The creation itself. Another way that God has made Himself known is in the human heart. Romans chapter 2 talks about the fact that each of us in our hearts recognizes, we all recognize what is right before God. There's a, there's a part of us where sometimes we feel really bad over things. We do things and we feel really guilty. We feel really ashamed. We feel really like we've blown it. We have this internal sense sometimes that, that triggers saying, my life is not pleasing to God. Romans chapter 2 talks about this. But also we find out that God reveals Himself to us through His Son. Jesus, God in the flesh. This is what we celebrate and what we remember at this time, the fact that God became a man in Jesus. And you might be here today, and in very different ways, you can see God trying to get your attention. Maybe you can identify with the song. Maybe you can identify with what Jeanette said. Maybe you can identify with the person that just looks up at the sky and thinks, you know, somebody put this all together. Or maybe there's circumstances in your life that you, you start adding that stuff up and you say, somebody's responsible for all of this. Because I'm clearly not. And maybe you can identify with those magi, those wise men who were bringing their gifts to Jesus. God has somehow grabbed hold of your heart. He's grabbed your attention. And your presence here today is you saying, God, I really want to connect with you this season. I, I hear the fact that Christ is all about, or Christmas is all about Christ, but I've not yet taken hold of that, and I really want to do that. I want to invite Cody to come up here. In just a moment, we're going to continue 
with one final song. But His promise, God's promise in Jeremiah chapter 29 is still true today. You will seek Me and find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. That is still true. God is not a God who likes playing games with us. He's not a God who's cruel and who plays hide and seek where we're like, I can't ever find God. I can't connect with Him. I don't know how to relate to God. I don't know what it takes. I can't be good enough. He's not into playing hide and seek with us. He's actually made Himself known to us through the person of Jesus Christ. You might be here this morning and you're looking for God. And so what I wanted to do was really quickly, on the back you'll see, or actually at the bottom of this front page, here's a brief nutshell, the message of Christianity. I think one of the most important decisions you can make in all your life is deciding to connect with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So really quickly, here's the message of Christianity. First, God is the loving ruler of the world. That's the first fill in the blank there. God is the loving ruler of the world, meaning He made the world. He's in charge. He's number one. He's the King. And He made us supervisors of the world. Managers of the world underneath Him. We're supposed to... He created us to come underneath Him as supervisors and to work in His world. Look at this verse, Revelation 4.11. says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, and to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things. He's in charge. By Your will they were created. They have their being. But here's the problem on the back side. The second point there is we all reject the ruler. All of us. He is king. He is ruler. But we've all rejected. We've pulled out from under His rule. His kingship, His Lordship. By trying to run life our own way without God. That's what we've all chosen to do. We fail to rule ourselves. We fail to rule ourselves, our society, or the world that He's asked us to manage. Romans 3.10, you can just read it up there. Again, we read that already. There is no one righteous, not even one, no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. See, that's the truth about us, is we've all turned our own way, done our own thing, charted off on our own course, trying to carve out a future and a destiny for ourselves. And here's the problem. What will God do with our rejection of Him? What will God do with all of our rebellion? The third thing is, God will not let us rebel forever. He won't let us rebel forever. God's punishment for rebellion, according to God in the Scripture, is death and judgment. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. I know that sounds kind of harsh. The fact that God is going to judge the world, that we're going to die and then we'll face judgment. It sounds very harsh, but that's not the end of the story. The fourth thing there, it says, because of His love, this is why we celebrate. God sent His Son into the world, Jesus Christ. Jesus always lived under God's rule. Yet by dying in our place, He took our punishment and He brought forgiveness. He brought that possibility for a new life. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ died for your sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. He was righteous. So He's saying, the righteous died for us, the unrighteous. All of us who've rebelled, which is all of us. I love this next line in that verse. He did that, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's the point. He wants to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. That's not the last thing. The fifth thing there says, God raised Jesus to life again as the ruler of the world. Jesus has conquered death. Now He gives new life. If Jesus 
died and stayed in the ground, didn't rise from the dead, the Christian faith, there would not be one. Our faith is tied to the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He appeared before His followers. And it's altered the course of the world as we know it. It altered history. This movement has continued to just move out. Move out. Move out. Lives have been affected. Jeanette's story. There's many other people that could come up here and share that story of that turning point in their life where they, were, they stopped searching and they said, I finally found what I'm looking for. It's in Christ. There's really, this whole idea is, it leaves us with two, only two choices. A choice of only two different ways to live life. First way is our way. Our way involves this. I just reject the ruler, God. I try to run life our own way, my way. And the result, according to God, is we're condemned by God, facing death and judgment. We reject the gift of Christ, then we stand condemned and facing judgment. That's one way to live. We can live all our lives separated from Him. But there's, there's another way. The other way is God's way. God's way is to submit to Jesus as ruler. Rely on Jesus' death and resurrection. Relying on Him in that He paid the penalty for my rebellion. He paid the penalty for your rebellion. He took it upon Himself. He paid for it in His own body. That gives us hope that we have forgiveness in Him. When He rose from the dead, that gives us hope that when we die, this world is not the end. We'll live with Him forever and eternity in heaven. The result, we're forgiven by God. Given eternal life. If you're at a point where you're just, I'm finished running away. I'm finished just running in life. Tired of what the world has offered me. I'm tired of the answers that I'm being given because it's not satisfying me. And you're at a point where you're like, you know, I'm really ready today to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I accept Him into my life. I would like to give you a chance to do that right now. I'm going to lead in a simple prayer. For anybody here that's just at a point where you feel like, you know what? God's really getting a hold of my heart. I'm ready to surrender to Him today. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me to respond and invite Christ to come into your life, changing you from the inside out. As I pray, you, you feel free. Everybody, you can keep your eyes open and pray. You can close your eyes, bow your head, whatever you want to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you'd like, feel free to bow your head. Feel free to keep your eyes open. You can repeat this prayer out loud. You can say it along with me in your heart. So let's pray together. Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by You. I don't deserve Your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against You and ignoring You. But I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to ask you if everybody would take out that white connection card. Hopefully, everybody here, every adult here, or if you're a teenager, if you would take this card out right here, you may not be in the habit of filling these out. Um, I'm going to ask you to please do that. Maybe just put your name on it if you haven't done that already. I'd really love to be able to sit down and have a personal conversation about all of your spiritual journey. I'd love it if we could just sit down over coffee, grab a pastry, and sit in the corner one by one, but we'd be here for hours. 
And so one thing you could do, because I really, I really want to know who's attending our church and where you're at in your spiritual journey. Not to put pressure on you or to be beating down your door trying to get you to do something. Because what I recognize is that if a person comes to know Jesus Christ and submits their life to Him, it's not because any one man is convincing them. It's because God Himself has gotten a hold of your heart and it's undeniable to you. And you say, I, I have nothing but to respond to God when He's working. I'd ask you to do me a favor, though. If everybody would do me a favor and participate in a quick personal spiritual survey. Take the back of the connection card you filled out earlier in the service. On the back, circle the letter that best represents you. Based on what I'm going to explain. A, B, C, or D. You'll see in the back it's a spiritual survey. A, B, C, or D. Circle A if you've already committed your life to Christ. Now, you're only going to be able to circle one of these. So, maybe you should look at them all before you circle, okay? A says if you've already committed your life to Christ prior to this service. Before you came here today, you already know you've decided to follow Christ. Then you're going to circle A. B is... If today you're receiving Christ, meaning you just prayed the prayer that I prayed, and you genuinely invited Christ to come into your life for the first time, making Him the boss of your life, I'd like you to circle the letter B. C means if you if you'd say, Josh, I've made that decision before. I'm sorry. I haven't made... Okay, I'm going to start over. C. Erase from your mind what I just said. C. If you say, Josh, I have not made the decision yet, but I'm considering it. I'm genuinely considering surrendering my life to Christ. I'm not there yet, and I want you to know that I'm considering it. If, you, if you're at that point, would you circle C? And I appreciate your honesty there. And then D is, if you feel you don't ever intend to commit your life to Christ. Again, I appreciate your honesty. It just, where you're at right now, you're thinking, I probably will never make that decision. doesn't mean you're, you know, if God were really, but right now you're just, you feel like, you know, I'm pretty close to that. Would you circle the letter D? And I, again, I appreciate your honesty. Please let us know if we can answer any questions you may have about the decision to follow Jesus Christ. That's really what we're here for. In just a minute, we're going to receive our offering. So when we do, would you drop this card in the baskets as they come around? When we give, our giving is an act of worship. For those of you who make this church your home, this is your church family, then we want to encourage you to give. If you're a guest... Um, don't feel any pressure. This is a, a, something that our church family takes care of, meeting the needs of our church budget, paying for the bills like this building and things that we rent and paying our staff and things of that nature. But when we give, I want to encourage you to give as an act of worship. Don't give begrudgingly. Fresh, you know, don't give if you're irritated at it. God doesn't want that. He says that very clearly. But along with your tithes and offerings, one thing we've been encouraging you to consider giving to is to a Christmas offering. Right now we've raised $2,000, which is really amazing. We've raised $2,000. It's going to go to three areas. One, most of it is going to go to international missions. We have a brief 30-second video we want to show you real quick. Mountains beyond mountains. We live 58 miles from Port-au-Prince, the capital that has lights and roads. On a normal day, it would take us 6 to 12 hours to make a 58-mile trip in a four-wheel drive Jeep. So through the contributions of the Lottie Moon, helped us to get in and to do our job and to reach the people. 
Without the support of our local churches back in the United States, we couldn't be here. We couldn't be helping these people. We couldn't do the job that we needed to be done here in reaching the lost here of Haiti and helping reconstruct the, the country and the lives of the people around us each and every day. So we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the support and the love and the prayers of the people of the United States and the Baptists. serving internationally, getting the gospel out to people who are unreached. And so, if you're planning to contribute to the Christmas offering, if you open up the inside of your um, offering envelope, the top line says tithe and offering. That's your regular giving. This is The Christmas offering is above and beyond that. Our church budget just depends on the regular giving, the faithful giving of our attenders and members. But that second line is where you'd want to indicate that. And so, ushers, you guys can go ahead and receive the offering. We want to thank you for your faithfulness and giving. And as the ushers come up and take the offering, um, we just want to encourage you to drop that connection card in there as well. Next week, we have a very, we've got a really unusual Christmas service schedule. And so this building is closed, just as you heard. This building's closed the next two weekends. And so next week on Saturday night, we're having one service, 7 p.m. at California Baptist University. Information directions are in your bulletin. The following week, there's not going to be any service. And so because of that, um, we want to encourage you, if you're a regular giver in our church, you're someone who regularly gives, whether that's weekly or monthly, would you consider giving online? Or would you consider mailing in your giving to the church office over the next two weeks so that we can make sure we pay all the bills and do everything we still need to do as a church over the Christmas season? And so we're going to sing one final song together. So we invite you to stand. And let's join together as we sing.